Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of the Partly Political Broadcast podcast. I'm Tina Diyeb and much like Theresa May, I've spent the past few days appeasing awful fascist powers who impose rules that I have to pretend I abide by. Sorry, I mean I had to pay an overdraft fee on my bank account, but you know, samesies. So, uh, wow, uh, where to begin with this week's very, very necessarily sweary show? Uh, well, if Donald Trump becoming president of America was the shit hitting the fan, it seems that the Trump administration have realised just how powerful that fan is and decided to throw the vast amounts of faecal matter that they've saved up over the years in order to spray it thoroughly and violently all across America like a chaotic shit cannon. I know everyone tries to make an impression in their first week in a new job, but rather than bringing cakes or actually try to listen in meetings, Donald Trump thought the best way he'd get everyone to warm to him as Commander-in-Chief was to set a lot of things on fire and use his tiny, tiny hands to waft the flames towards many. The Trump administration have enforced a media blackout at the Environmental Protection Agency because no doubt they'd have reported pretty quickly how dangerous the hot air Donald has been emitting is. Next, Trump vowed to investigate voter fraud of the election he won because obviously he still can't believe why anyone would be that masochistic and vote him in as well. Then they signed off on getting the Dakota pipeline going again, proving that one of the only groups of people in the world who should have been genuinely terrified of immigrants are the Native Americans. And somewhere during all this, Trump said he supported torture by saying he knew the illegal interrogation method of waterboarding definitely worked. Although I'm still sure he'd just got it confused with his favourite Russian pastime of water sports. After that, the new US government embraced authoritarian measures and upped the ante more than that time you gave your dad's sister a gram of quality speed. There was more mention of the fucking wall and talk of listing crimes in America caused only by immigrants because Trump wants only all American crime and refuses to let any crime go outsourced. And then to finish the week off and because replacing the Statue of Liberty's torch with a flaming pitchfork would take too much time, Trump signed an executive order implementing the depressingly fascist Muslim ban which was inflicted in airports across America. People from Iran, Iraq, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Syria and Yemen have been denied entry into the US, including citizens of other countries who have dual nationality with those places, meaning that many people who'd already been granted visas were detained at the airport, causing outrage across the globe. 
Trump's ban means that as well as many people seeking refuge or who would have worked for the US in areas of conflict, the ban also looked like it would apply to knighted gold medalist marathon hero Mo Farah. It would have been far easier for Trump to just invest in sports if by America first he just meant in the Olympics. More on all this later in the show, but it is desperately worrying that Trump seems to think he should celebrate Holocaust Remembrance Day by planning a reenactment. Similarly, he seems to have celebrated Chinese New Year of the Fire Rooster on Saturday by being a massive flaming cock. And of course, the UK Prime Minister Theresa May condemned all of Trump's actions, saying he's the worst thing to happen to the planet and there's no goddamn way he'll come to the UK unless it's because his bloated, drowned corpse accidentally washes up on the Cornwall shore. Ha! Fake news! No, sadly, uh, instead, May got on very, very well with the Don, telling everyone she knew she would, as sometimes opposites attract. And much like that Paula Abdul and MC Scat Cat track, her and Donald have definitely taken two steps back. It seemed at first like a very smart move that May had made, as the joint press conference with May and Trump had Trump backtracking from supporting torture and saying that he did back NATO despite earlier comments. May also mentioned the UK-US alliance in World War II and pointed out that Our two countries led the West through the Cold War, confronting communism and ultimately defeating it, not just through military might, but by winning the war of ideas and by proving that open, liberal, democratic societies will always defeat those that are closed, coercive and cruel. Which, yeah, does sound like she's trying to say, hey, Donald, team up with me and we can take down your own administration. But when asked if she agreed with the Trump's Muslim ban, May simply said the United States is responsible for the United States policy on refugees, which is correct but isn't really answering the question. There's a difference between being diplomatic and answering everything like you're Siri and you've been asked something by a Scottish person in a noisy area. May had to issue a follow-up statement saying that she does not agree with this kind of approach and it's not one we'll be taking, uh, which I'm grateful for, but I don't entirely trust her word, as when she was Home Secretary, Theresa May commissioned vans to drive around with billboards saying illegal immigrants to go home. Maybe now she's realised that we really need Mo Farah or Tokyo 2020 as a complete write-off. After Trump, May visited Turkish leader and champion of human wrongs, President Erdogan, and I'm slightly worried that she's creating some sort of evil supergroup. If her next stops are a press conference with Skeletor on Snake Mountain and a diplomatic journey to meet Doctor Doom in Latvia, then we really, really need to do something. Many are comparing Theresa May's appeasement of Trump to Neville Chamberlain and Hitler, which is totally unfair to old Chambers there, because he wasn't able to read up on how it ended in history books. So, phew, uh, you can see why Tim Peake said he's fucking off back to space again, can't you? In space, no one can hear us all scream endlessly all of the time. More on the Trump horrors later in this week's show, as well as, obviously, some Brexit awfulness. And I'm going to be talking to Matt Fulton from Progressive Politics Northern Ireland about the upcoming Northern Irish elections. But uh, before all that, thank you, as always, so, so much for listening. Uh, last week's show was the most listening to episode so far, which is absolutely amazing, as it included two really rubbish editing errors uh, due to me being so strapped for time last week that I finished editing it at 2am the night before. Uh, in fact, if you downloaded it as soon as it came out, it had three editing errors, including a massive silence during the interview with Michael Marshall, where I just managed to completely delete my question. Um, oh, sorry. I mean, uh, by editing errors, I meant uh, totally purposeful uh, long Pinter-esque pauses to increase the drama. Um, I mean, um, uh, sorry, by uh, purposeful pauses, I meant Russian hackers totally messed up the show to demean its content. Yeah, that's, that's definitely what happened. 
So yeah, uh, thanks tons for listening, uh, and thanks to those of you who gave the show nice reviews on iTunes this past week, and a big big thank you to Pesky, Sam, and Paco, who all very very kindly donated to the Patreon in the last few days too. Uh, I promise there is going to be more bonus content on there as well uh, very very soon. If you'd like to help me get more time in order to do this show and better equipment to use uh, improperly and create awful editing mistakes at two in the morning, then please head to patreon.com forward slash parpolebro and give a quid or two if you can. Uh, I'm totally aware that there are a lot of very, very important organisations in need of cash right now and that if you're like me, uh, none of your change is spare. So please only donate to this show if you can. And if you can only donate a teeny bit, it is probably best to give it to Help Refugees or the Refugee Council or Safe Passage or any of those many important human rights groups first. Um, and me to be fair not even probably not even second i mean i'm probably somewhere about 45th so if you can and you've supported 45 other really useful charities then please do donate to the patreon uh and if you can't then why not just do an itunes review of the show or tell someone to get listening which is just as good i mean if i go into curry's and i give them a print off of nice reviews i don't think they're going to let me exchange it for a microphone but i am willing to try uh, also, big thanks to John, who is the second person ever to email me at partlypoliticalbroadcast at gmail.com, and he very kindly sent me a list of people he'd like me to try and interview, which I will endeavour to do. Um, I spend quite a lot of time trying to hunt people down to interview for this show, and lots of them don't respond, and then some do respond, and then they suddenly vanish when I try to book in a time to interview them. Um, and I'm also really aware that I haven't had a female guest for ages. Uh, oddly, most of the people that can do interviews and are free are all white men, which is weird, because I would have thought they'd have no time on their hands when they're all constantly running everything in the world all the time. I am trying to diversify the guest list, I absolutely promise. Uh, but as I say on this show every week, if you have suggestions, it really does help me uh, narrow down who to harass uh, into wasting 30 minutes of their time explaining politics to an idiot like me. Um, if you wish to send me people to interview or even a list of people never to interview, uh, if you like, you know, ones to avoid, uh, then feel free to do so. And it seems more of you now are on the Parpol Bro Facebook group and Twitter page too. So please do keep posting discussions and nonsense there as well. God, there's so much admin, isn't there? You know, it's more like Ad Max. Am Am I right? No, I'm not. I'm not sorry. And I promoted this last week, uh, but it's my podcast and you can't silence me unless you have some real tasty snacks. I'm previewing my new show at the Leicester Comedy Festival at the Exchange Bar on February the 9th. Uh, by preview, I mean I'm saying a lot of things out loud for possibly the first time. Uh, and it's free because, well, you'll probably still want your money back. Um, but if you're in Leicester or you're nearby Leicester or you've heard of Leicester or maybe read about Leicester in a book or seen it on the news, um, then please do come along. And if you're a London listener, I'm going to be doing previews at Angel Comedy Club at the Bill Murray uh, on the 21st and 22nd of February and they're both free as well uh, even though by then I'm definitely going to have at least the idea of a joke um, all details for those are on the websites for those places or, or on my own website tnadm.co.uk I mean you know how it all works don't you you've been on the internet before you've been outside before um, you're clever clogs look at you um, hopefully I will see some of you there and if you don't live near any of those places then tough life is hard sometimes ha fake news uh, well sort of life is hard uh, but I will be doing loads of previews all over the place and then the Edinburgh Fringe and then hopefully a tour so there will be more dates coming your way soon. Right, more chaotic shit cannon. The number of rough sleepers has risen in England for the sixth year in a row. Uh, rough sleepers meaning those without homes, obviously, not just people like me who wake up looking seriously rough. Uh, but the official figures are that there are now 4,134 people sleeping outdoors, but many charities say it is twice that much, and the UK Statistics Authority thinks that the government's figures are indeed questionable. Uh, 
Uh, if you heard episode 43 of this podcast just before Christmas, I spoke to Paul Anderson at Homeless Link and a member of Homeless Link's panel of formerly homeless people, Noel, who explained some of the causes and just how bad the situation is. Uh, so you do go back and listen if you haven't heard that. Um, the government is saying that they're investing £550 million pounds, uh, up to 2020 to tackle homelessness and the Homelessness Reduction Bill is currently going through Parliament as well. But at the same time, though, many local councils are having to cut their housing support services entirely to save money after budget cuts coming in this April. So the extra funding the government are promising is merely cancelling out some of the money lost in cuts. I mean, essentially, they're tackling homelessness by shuffling money like cards and still giving everyone a really, really fucking terrible hand. I mean, if MPs really wanted to help, how about turning a few of their extra homes into shelters? I mean, how many rooms do the Houses of Parliament have? Yeah. The Green Investment Bank sounds like a private project by Snoop Dogg, but it's actually a government-owned bank for investing in renewable energy projects. It currently has uh, £2.7 billion invested in things like a wind farm off the east coast of England and low-energy street lighting schemes in the UK, which all sound pretty great, right? I mean, some people go, oh, wind farms, they're ugly. Yeah, you know what's uglier? The end of the world, so fuck you. Um, those things are pretty great, and that is exactly why the government is trying to sell it off. Uh, surprise! Uh, in fact, it looks like it's going to be sold to Macquarie, an Australian bank, who've already indicated that they're just going to cash in from all the assets uh, once that they bought it, which is really nice, isn't it? How incredibly reassuring. However, the Green Investment Fund Sustainable Development Capital say that they're also interested in buying it and they're offering to give public investment in it once they bought it, uh, meaning that the public fund might actually continue to get some value from it. The Energy Minister Nick Hurd told MPs in the House of Commons that he couldn't confirm the identity of the preferred bidder, Mysterious, but that they definitely wouldn't sell it to an asset stripper, even though no one is particularly reassured based on previous records. In fact, the only time the government ever seemed to be really interested in investing in greens is when it's sweet, sweet Benjamins, and they're only ever pro-recycling when they churn out the same old shitty lines about how they care about the country before they then sell it all off. Russia have realised they're now falling behind America as everyone's least favourite superpower, and so they've really upped their effort by voting to decriminalise domestic violence. Yeah, really. Depressing, isn't it? And it was pushed through by two female lawmakers, one of whom said in a TV appearance that a man beating his wife is less offensive than when a woman humiliates a man. The law has yet to go through Russia's higher chamber and then get signed off by Putin, but it's pretty unlikely it's going to have any hurdles at any of those steps. And the argument of this bill is that it will make Russian families stronger, which is a really ridiculous claim, and as human rights have pointed out, completely and utterly wrong. I mean, really, if they want to make Russian families stronger, why not just invest in protein ha drink handouts for everyone, or national weekends away at centre parks? It's a hugely worrying move, and with domestic violence accounting for 40% of all crime in Russia, it is now going to be even harder to combat it. Autopsied carp Nigel Farage has finally voted on something as an MEP in Brussels for one of the very few times since he was voted into the position in 1999, claiming the £84,000 salary and expenses ever since. Of course, Farage's vote was for nothing good, and instead it was against the EU calling for greater measures of transparency of donations from outside the EU to political parties. Despite years of not bothering to vote for important environmental clauses or things that would actually bring British workers and trade more income, Nige has decided it's totally worth popping into Brussels to make sure that where all that UKIP dosh came from, which is very likely to be Russia, is totally and utterly protected. The other groups that voted against the measures were all far-right European groups, also like Front National, who've also received funding from Russia. 
Of course, Nigel said that he blocked the measures because these sorts of questions should be set by Britain and not the European Commission. And so I look forward to Parliament demanding ASAP that UKIP make all their donations transparent. Which shouldn't be hard considering how easy it is to see through most of their motives. Nigel Farage is genuinely one of the only people in the world that I really wish would fall down a really, really deep well. As I mentioned in last week's show, Northern Ireland is having an early election due to resignations and scandals and once again its citizens have a two-horse race to vote from, despite the fact that really both horses are very old, no longer very good at their job and should probably be put down. If you live in Northern Ireland, you're probably not enthused by the idea of the same old sectarian carve-up between Sinn Féin and the Democratic Unionist Party. And if you don't live in Northern Ireland, unlike me, live in England, you've probably not seen anything about it at all on the news and haven't really got a clue. But if you can't relate to being stuck between a choice of two parties, neither of which you're particularly enthused about now, then you must be my one listener in Thailand. Hello! As well as election issues, Brexit looks set to cause trouble grumblings with border issues between Northern Ireland and the Republic. And if all that wasn't bad enough, an unresolved election could leave them with either another election or the Conservative government in control in the meantime. And while everyone seems to love 80s and 90s retro nowadays, I really think everyone would just prefer leg warmers and big earrings to any of that awfulness ever happening again. I have been to Belfast many times and I even took an open top bus tour there once where the tour guide mentioned how the local ice hockey team were going to be called to the Belfast Bombers but decided against it. She then laughed an awful lot while all the tourists on the bus, including me, stared at each other very nervously and felt very, very uncomfortable. But yeah, despite my many visits, uh, I really feel like I grew up slightly too late to understand all the politics of the Troubles and how the politics of Northern Ireland work now. And speaking to people in Northern Ireland, it does feel like there's a younger generation who really do want to move on and change things. So this week I spoke to Matt Fulton. Matt runs a group called Progressive Politics Northern Ireland who are dedicated to changing Northern Irish politics for the better and to help voters realise that there are actually more than two parties they can vote for. So for a little bit of NI politics education, here's Matt. So could you explain uh, to me and the listeners um, what the Cash for Ash scandal was all about and what, why it's now led to there being early elections in Northern Ireland? Yeah, sure, Tiernan. Um, well, the Renewable Heat Incentive, which is what it was officially called, um, it was set up back in 2012 by the Department of Enterprise, Trade and Investment, uh, headed by uh, the then Minister of that department, Darlene Foster, and she's now the First Minister of, the, of Northern Ireland. Um, it was set up to encourage uh, the companies to, you know, um, use renewables and you know, go a bit more green and to, so the country could uh, be a bit more renewable by certain targets in 2015, 2020, etc. Um, but what happened was um, there was there wasn't really a, like limits set on the whole thing. Um, companies were told that uh, for like they were burnt in wood pellets, and for every pound that they burnt, they were getting one sixty back. So it was an incentive to join the scheme, and uh, in, what, and there was no limit put on this. So uh, after uh, uh, no interest at the beginning of it. Um, there was a certain uh, sudden spike. I think it was back in November 2015. There was a spike of nearly a thousand applications from businesses and other non-domestic users. And wow. That, yeah, and that, that 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 got the attention of some people. And a whistleblower went to the executive and said basically something not right here. Um, there was a bit of an investigation, but it never really got on the news. 
until Decemberler, until a member of the DUP themselves, who had been in a ministerial role, uh, Jonathan Bell, um, basically went on TV, um, went on and explained that this scheme had it's basically going to cost the taxpayers of Northern Ireland um, near enough five hundred million pounds over the next twenty years, and that was that was a basically the whole thing was a big sham. It was a big mistake, um, and that's somebody had to answer for it. So uh, he was basically giving himself in, saying he made some mistakes in regards to it, but there was other people that probably knew that something wasn't right, and they ran with it. So then that kicked off the whole uh, back and forth between him and Arlene Foster, the head of the DUP, and she accused him of being a bully in certain circumstances and a bit of uh, handbags back and forth. And right. yeah, and, like, and then the Northern Ireland executive uh, basically met and said, well, the Arlene Foster has to step temporarily step down for uh, an investigation to, into this, and uh, she refused to step down. There was a motion of no confidence put forward um, for her, and uh, it passed. Well, it got the required amount of votes, but the DUP were able to use a petition of concern. Now, this is going to it could sound very confusing, but basically, a petition of concern is in the Northern Ireland executive. It was set up so. Uh, certain uh, um, policies couldn't get passed without cross-community um, agreement, so it needed like a certain amount of MLAs. MLAs are the MLAs are the, are the people um, sitting in the assembly, and basically the DUP had to keep using the petition of concern for reasons that it wasn't set up for. So they they blocked the fact uh, that Arlene Foster had to step down, and. Basically, Martin McGuinness of Sinn Féin, who held a joint post um, as First Minister with um, Arlene Foster, um, resigned himself. Uh, and because it was a joint post, that meant she lost her post. And that's where we're at now. It therefore triggered the election. And basically, we're going to go again. <laughs> Right. So it's quite a it's quite a mess leading up to this. It sounds really uh, complicated and a lot to do with. I think Arlene Foster, from the sound of it, sounds like quite a corrupt politician. Very much so. Uh, some people have started calling her Crooked Arlene here, you know. So right, <laughs> that's a terrible nickname to have. Uh, it's not a good name. <laughs> wow. And so in in that respect, then I guess uh, are people quite happy that she's been forced to step down? Yeah, like um, they are. Uh, though I think people are worried. The people that are interested in politics, that are aware of the sort of things that go on, are worried that another election may just see the DUP uh, win the most votes again, and she'll just be back in the position come March. Is is that something that could happen? So, despite that she's been made to step down. If the DUP end up getting enough votes, she could just be straight back in. Yeah, that's the way it works. Um, and it's possibly possible. It's probably very likely. Um, I obviously come from a position that hope it wouldn't, and that's part of the reason I set up my page. I'm trying to promote the fact that there is alternative options for people that people shouldn't go vote for that. Um, but because of our the low turnout and the disillusion with politics. A lot of people, when you talk to them about politics or you talk about to, to them about voting, it's like in a lot of places they just say, 
they're all corrupt, they're all the same, there's no point. And this is why you no know, we'll, we just we'll just end up with the same again. So yeah, why why is it uh, likely to be the DUP and Sinn Fein again? Is that due to low turnout? Is it? I mean, obviously the Good Friday Agreement said there had to be a share of power. Is that? Does that mean it's just going to be between those two parties? Like, what? Why is it unlikely that another party would rise up? Um, the way our system works in Northern Ireland with the executive and the assembly, it it does make it, um, and the history of the place, it does make it difficult for no other parties to come up um i think just because it's one part is certainly in my opinion it's just my 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 another's opinion that it is low turnout uh, like the last election um was uh less than 55 percent turnout and wow like from the time of the good friday agreement in 1998 um we've had four assemblies and or four elections and like the 1998 one was 70% turnout. It was obviously hope was high in the country. No, great new historical achievement in the the agreement, and people are hoping for a change. And then it's just went down every every single election since. Um, and I think the dissolution disillusionment uh, with people uh, that have it, it leads to the same parties again. The back maybe 20 years ago people would have voted a particular way because it, well, at the set, because of the 70% that voted they still would have been thinking well I gotta look out for my side you know Protestant versus sure. Catholic um, I think if you were to get a higher turnout this time it wouldn't be like that because people like I'm 34 and I barely remember much about I, obviously I knew stuff was going on but it was sort of being cleaned up a lot by the time I was growing up, and and you sure it's it's still you still know about it, but um, it wasn't like the, our previous generations, our parents. No, they they lived through it. Um, so I think the turnout at the moment, the last couple of elections, has been low. They're the sort of people they're slightly older, and they still feel like they have to make sure that their side is getting you no know, basically. You no know, Catholics are just like we've got to make sure it's food Sinn Féin, Protestants make sure it's food DUP. Can't let the others, you know, get in. Um, where people my age and younger, if they if they got out, you know, we could change it. Sure, and and to the DUP and Sinn Féin's policies, are they still largely kind of revolving around their their religious beliefs as well. Um, certainly the DUP. Um, I think you'll find the DUP are a lot more. You no. Know, um, right wing than any of the parties here hmm. don't get me wrong there's other parties here but they're nowhere near the size um of the dup they're the most dangerous party um which is funny because they have democratic in their name which is not not right um but they're they're still very much guided like that they, they'll cause upset and like the likes of the gay marriage um debate it's went through the, the assembly and has got the required amount of votes but because of that petition of concern, which I did a very bad job at explaining earlier, they keep using that, even though it's not really this sort of thing the petition of concern was supposed to be there for. Um, they keep using that based on their religious beliefs. So for them, certainly, Sinn Féin somewhat. Um, it could be argued that Sinn Féin are certainly a more liberal party. 
Um, but at the same point, and that they're a bit more, in my opinion, you'll get people disagreeing. Um, but in my opinion, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, but Sinn Féin would definitely be a bit more outreach to the other side um, than DUP. But even DUP have come a wee bit like in recent years, but certainly nowhere near enough. Yeah, because I'd assume that they must realise that, that there's a whole different generation now, uh, as you said, that are coming up, and they've got to still appeal to them somehow, haven't they? Yeah, well, I think that they're they're sort of relying on the fact that turnout is low. Um, they probably wouldn't admit that. They probably like to think that, oh, if people, if the turnout was 100%, I'm sure we'd still be the biggest party. That is in my opinion. I think uh, because you just... You just have to be living in the country and going about your day-to-day business with people just to realize everyone's sick of it, you know? And you just go, how can this be the case that everyone I talk to? Sure, sure, I live in a bubble like everyone does, but I try to get outside my bubble. um, And it just seems like everyone's sick of it. So how can everyone be sick of it? And it's still like this. It's because of the the disillusionment with politics and and people stay away from the ballot box and the same ones get in. And and is it because I mean obviously um you know obviously it's it's for I suppose different reasons in, in different places but the, you know in in England and, and Scotland and Wales that young people are quite I say young people people sort of under forty are quite disillusioned anyway because they can't get on the housing market and mm. uh, you know jobs are paying lower than ever. Um, but I mean, is, is young people in Northern Ireland? They must be feeling that they they need. You know, why aren't they getting interested in politics? What what is if they're feeling angry about things? What's stopping them from actively getting involved? That's my argument. <laughs> you know, it's like I I I like I had to stop myself like having to go with co-workers and stuff. You know, because I'm I'm like I'm going to sound a little crazy here because you know the, the the strange guy in the corner having to go with people. Why aren't you voting? You know, you know you can't complain about the state of the country if you don't vote. Is my you know what I said on. Um, so like and like a lot of my friends do seem to be and family. <coughs> excuse me. Do seem to be getting more involved, but. I don't know. Once again, that's maybe just my bubble because I'm talking to people, and that the people, the sort of people I probably hang out with, would get involved a bit more. Um, but I think it's just that disillusionment that you will get um, anywhere, whether it's Northern Ireland, England, America. There will be certain younger folk that are just like, you know what? They're all the same. You no, know, they're all just looking to line their own pockets, and you no, know, it's not. They don't care about us, really. So what are you, because obviously you've set up your progressive politics group, which uh, right. I found via Facebook and it's on Twitter as well. And wh- how are you trying to get people involved then? What other, what other options do people have? There's good options. Um, basically, the, the, I set up the page just because I thought there's not really that many sort of, I didn't see many groups out there trying to push the fact that there was other options. The only sort of pages you get um or sort of no still supporting one side or the other and i'm like but there's so many of us out there that care about the future of this country maybe it's because i'm hitting a certain age i'm in my 30s now it's the sort of thing you maybe think about when you're you're getting in your 30s and you, you think about you know the future of you no know, i think about improving it like there's there's 
people like there's the Alliance Party, there's People Before Profit, there's the Green Party. Um, so I think these are real progressive options for people, and I just want to get that word out to say, you know what, these these parties and these politicians aren't your usual crop ones, and they seem to be in it because they care, like you and me. And, and what are they? Because uh, Green Party, I'm guessing, are similar to Green Party's everywhere, sort of pro yeah, environmental policies, renewable energy. Um, and and are they have they got much in the way of, of, of politics as well? I mean, that, that's because it's often, uh, and I'm just generalising here, but often the failings of Green Parties around the world are that they're more about uh, environmental policies, which I think are incredibly important, yeah. but not necessarily great on, say, economy and other things. It, Northern Irish Green Party, how how do you think they fare? Um, they're somewhat they're somewhat the same as other green parties. Um, they may be concentrated more on other issues because of our location, you know. Because even the, even if you're our progressive party, that's nothing to do with religion. You have to talk it because it's the main talking point in the country in politics. It's which is ridiculous because my like I think obviously politics and religion shouldn't be um, mixed, but unfortunately they very much are here. So even if you are party that aren't <coughs> excuse me your whole thing is well you have to go ahead and talk about why you're not so they do fo- they do focus on maybe slightly different issues than green parties in america or in england or wherever um and they, they've made a bit of headroom you know like they've they've got a couple of seats on the on the assembly and i hope that continues to grow in the next election we'll be back with matt in a minute but first Donald Trump, Donald Trump, scary Donald Trump, orange, orange Donald Trump, racist Donald Trump, sexist Donald Trump, stupid Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, oh my god, President Donald Trump, that's a real thing, oh oh god, it's scary, I'm really scared. If we were to inspect the glossary of our ancient bestiary tome, it's hard to classify what sort of threat President Donald Trump is. The way in which he shuffles about making mindless noises would class him as a Romero classic zombie, but then the speed with which he signed off on authoritarian executive orders this past week would easily upgrade him to one of those 28 days later infected proper nasty shits. The Times also reported that Theresa May had to hold his hand when she visited because he has a phobia of stairs, which would put him in classic Dalek territory. Which, judging by their usual narrative of just shouting violent threats, sounds about right. And so the free world's best bet will either be to somehow inject the President of America Dalek with some human DNA so that he questions his own existence and exterminates himself, or we have to dig a hole in the desert, cover it with a cardigan and get him to chase us hoping he falls in. Those are, I'm afraid, my very best ideas right now, as in the States even the law doesn't seem to have made any ground in slowing down Orange Godzilla. Let's backtrack a little bit and go through the most major things in the past week of Trump. I mentioned cancelling the TTP, enacting the global gag rule and Israel on last week's show, so this week let's start with voter fraud. Trump has been banging on about how millions of people voted illegally in the election since November. This is despite him winning the election, and while we could assume that it's because he's desperately hoping that an investigation would mean he somehow actually won the popular vote, worryingly it looks more like a way to justify tightening voting rules in America. Trump's source that there was voter fraud was a man called Greg Phillips, who claimed that he discovered three million people had voted illegally. Now, Greg describes himself as a conservative voter fraud specialist because we all know if you say that's what you are, then it must be true. So say I, King Duke Tin and the Supreme. But Greg refuses to reveal any data or evidence for his claim, and he's no longer allowed to do business in the state of Texas due to unpaid taxes and a government document that denounced him for facilitating an erosion of the public trust. You can see why Trump trusts him, right? I mean, they're basically turd twins. 
State election officials, both right and left wing, completely rejected this voter fraud idea and said that ballot box fraud is extremely uncommon. In 2013, the Supreme Court changed the Voting Rights Act so that local authorities can change election rules how they wish, often requiring certain ID that those in poverty and without jobs or cars are unlikely to have. Obama's Justice Department fought against a lot of this and managed to stop a North Carolina ID law that specifically targeted and blocked African Americans from voting. Trump, however, has appointed Jeff Sessions, who sounds like everyone's least favourite acoustic album, to be in charge of the Justice Department. And he once said that the Voting Rights Act Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns was a piece of intrusive legislation. So there's every chance Trump will get in again in 2020 if the only people who can go and vote are the ones that support him. Saying that, since December, only four cases of voter fraud have been found and all four also voted for Trump. Trump said that the voter fraud he wants to investigate include those who are illegal, those who are dead, which is going to upset all of the ghostwriters of all of his books, and those who are registered to vote in two states. It was discovered last week that the last category included Trump's chief strategist, counsellor and bloated racist Russell Crowe, Stephen Bannon, who is registered to vote in two states and, let's be fair, looks like he's died quite a few times. And it also included Tiffany Trump, daughter of the president who's also registered to vote in two states and, if she takes after a dad, is probably dead inside. Next, on the increasing scale of comments that would cause even Jeremy Clarkson to balk at, is that in an interview with ABC News, Trump said that he believed that torture absolutely works, which, to be fair, isn't wrong. I mean, come on, if I was being interrogated and they even so much as threatened to make me watch, say, Dapper Laughs videos on loop or listen to Piers Morgan talking for any more than two minutes, I'd reveal everything I ever knew in seconds. So you can forget about how I deal with waterboarding. I don't like extreme sports at all. So, uh, silly jokes aside, uh, Trump has backtracked on his comment about torture, saying that now he's going to refer to his Defence Secretary, James Mattis, on the subject of torture. And Mattis isn't a fan of torture, and I think giving or receiving. And there has been a lot of resistance from FBI advisers, military investigators and Senator John McCain, all saying that the US must not bring back torture. US law dictates that the Army Field Manual cannot be modified for at least two years and then any modifications would have to comply with domestic US legal obligations. So, for now, it'll just be the enduring torture of Trump's relentless Twitter feed of bollocks. Thankfully, or rather, not thankfully. Next, we've still got so many to go, I hope you have absolutely nothing else to do today. 
Next is the Environmental Agency Blackout. And I'm going to skim through this one as I hope to get someone on to talk about this in a future episode. But the EPA has been instructed to freeze all of its grant programmes for research, redevelopment, air monitoring and education. So not only awful for science, but is there anything more demeaning than a climate change denier telling the EPA to freeze things? EPA workers were told that they couldn't say anything about this, but it was leaked to the press by an employee. The EPA lifted the freeze on Friday because that's just how erratic the climate in America is, but the silence gag remains in place and the official position on climate change is still completely unclear, much like the sort of over-polluted air that they're not allowed to report about. Right, now onto the even more scary stuff. Yes, even more scary! It's sort of like we've been working backwards through the Alien films. It's time to talk about Trump's executive order on immigration, and it's this point I feel I should probably explain what an executive order actually is. What does it mean? Please explain. I don't understand. What does it mean? An executive order is a legally binding order given by the president acting as a head of the executive branch to federal administrative agencies. They are usually used to direct agencies and officials to execute congressionally established laws and policies, but they can also be used to direct agencies and officials in oppositions to congressional intent. Basically, the big man say do it, so you gots to do it. Trump's executive order on immigration included several provisions. One is the ban on certain people coming into the US, which I'm going to get to in just a minute. Hold up. Wait, 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 wait. The ban I'm going to get to, not the US. I mean, this show would be very, very hard to do on a plane. Um, Another provision was for US immigration and customs enforcement to create an office for victims of crimes committed by removable aliens. So more for if E.T. steals a skateboard than if a facehugger does graffiti, because those fuckers are really hard to remove. No, sorry, what it's actually for is supposedly to help victims of crimes caused by immigrants, and part of it would require a weekly report publishing a list of all crimes committed by undocumented foreign types that would shame jurisdictions that ignored detention requests for those individuals. Now, what this really sounds like is a way to fearmonger and continue towing the line that people from abroad are dangerous. Really, if this is to happen, it should be published alongside a list of crimes by US citizens, as the American Immigration Council studied data that showed Americans were a lot more likely to engage in criminal behaviour than immigrants were. I mean, let's face it, even the president has been accused of fraud and sexual harassment, and he's a real American. Now to what's being referred to as the Muslim ban, and let's look at what it is before I point out why it is one big old home slice of awful. The order has temporarily halted refugees from entering the US for 120 days in order to improve the border vetting process, which, no, has nothing to do with making sure people's pets are okay when they land. The vetting process is going to cap 50,000 refugee admissions per year, which is actually more than George W. Bush allowed in and just a little bit less than Obama allowed in. The border has a temporary 90-day ban on people coming to the US from Iraq, Syria, Iran, Libya, Somalia, Sudan and Yemen, as they are countries, and I quote the order, torn apart by jihadist violence or under the control of hostile jihadist governments. This is apparently how they were classed under the Obama administration. This ban is there, apparently, while Homeland Security determine the information needed to prove that those with visas are who they say they are, because obviously tons of people are just dying to sneak into the States now that they've got that twat in charge. There are exceptions to all of this on a case-by-case basis, and there is an indefinite ban on Syrian refugees because, you know, hey, they're in no rush to go anywhere, right? And Trump stated that this was about keeping America safe, and that it's not just a Muslim ban, as there are over 40 countries in the world that are majority Muslim and aren't affected. You know, including places like Saudi Arabia, where 18 out of the 19 of the 9-11 terrorists were from. But hey, Trump also has several limited corporations there, so if he blocks them, how on earth are they going to pop by for business meetings? Am I right? 
So that's what the executive order says. But since it was implemented super quickly on Friday, it caused many to be detained at US airports, including all those who worked for the US in Iraq or those who'd already been given visas under the Obama administration. Trump's aides said that they'd already discussed this with relevant individuals for weeks, but head of customs and border control under Obama said that they definitely hadn't. Though, of course, the head of customs and border control is assuming that the Trump administration think he's a relevant individual rather than, you know, them just writing in a comment under a Breitbart article and waiting for a racist to like it. Many amazing lawyers, which is a phrase I thought I'd never say, swooped in to help those detained at US airports and two federal judges made rulings to stall the implementation of Trump's order. Border controls defied these orders, but by today the White House has pulled back on the orders saying that citizens of those countries with green cards can enter similarly legal residents of the US with dual citizenship and the officials say that no one else is detained at the airports, although lawyers believe that many still are. Trump took to Twitter like a troll to his cave to say that if the ban had a week's notice, the bad would rush into our country during that week. A lot of bad dudes out there. Yeah, a president said bad dudes. And he put that in quotation marks, meaning that really they aren't bad or dudes. So I assume he means good nerds would flood the US, and surely that's great for Silicon Valley. No, no one really knows what he's talking about. This was also after the White House announced that they were screening Finding Dory on Sunday, presumably because Big Don can empathise with a fish who forgets what it said two minutes before and then finds itself way out of its depth. And of course, he's a fucking cartoon as well. So, while I think all Muslims should tweet Donald Trump saying, we didn't want to come to the US anyway as you made it proper shit, as, let's be fair, that will probably piss him off, the fact is, even with some backtracking, the speed with which this is done was scary. It'll probably lead to further scrutiny and extensive security checks on those coming from Muslim countries in the future. And it's also had obviously global implications. Iran has stated that it may ban US citizens from entering the country, which could mean that the Iran nuclear deal is automatically rescinded. Uh, also, many international scientists from those countries are cancelling conferences that would require them travelling to the US. Canada immediately said that they would receive refugees unable to go to the US after the ban, uh, which is absolutely wonderful of them. And very sadly, it did cause some retaliation and there was a very tragic shooting at a mosque in Quebec. Um, early reports suggest that the shooter was pro-Trump and very right-wing, and let's face it, if that profile doesn't say they're likely to be carrying a gun, nothing does. And of course, here in the UK, there's been a lot of anger about all of it, and at the time of writing, a petition to stop Trump from making a state visit to the UK is at 1.3 million signatures. However, Theresa May has now got a special relationship with Trump after her visit to the White House on Friday, and is hoping for special post-Brexit UK trade deals with the US, which I'm sure will be solid, considering his talk of investing mostly in American trade, and saying any bilateral trade deals he makes with other countries will also be cancelled in 30 days. Number 10 said they won't be calling off Trump's state visit because it would undo everything, which is ironic that a man who doesn't believe in science is now somehow responsible for universal causation. They also said that calling off the state visit would cause embarrassment to the Queen, though I'd have thought finding someone Prince Philip might actually get on with would actually be far worse. Number 10 have also called the petition populist, which you'd assume would mean that they'd just get really excited about it, call it the will of the people and implement it immediately, while Theresa May screamed petition means petition at everyone. Foreign Secretary and mutant belly button fluff Boris Johnson told Parliament that Trump should be allowed a state visit to the UK because the Queen has previously entertained Nikolai Susescu, who is a Romanian murderous dictator, and Robert Mugabe, who is a violent Zimbabwean dictator. Yeah, I mean, is Her Majesty just trying to complete a set and we just don't know about it? Three wrongs make a white supremacist society? Yeah, hmm, that doesn't quite work. Boris then said it was very distasteful for MP and champion heckler Dennis Skinner to compare Donald Trump to Hitler, even though he just compared him to Mugabe. I can only assume Johnson is upset that Hitler is dead. Maybe that's what it is. 
Boris also assured everyone that UK passport holders would be unaffected by Trump's ban, which is A, not the fucking concern here, and B, has already been undermined by the US Embassy in London, who said that that's not true and people with dual citizenships from London travelling to the US still can't get in. Thousands protested on Monday night outside Downing Street about Trump's visit and to show solidarity with Muslims, and it looked absolutely brilliant, and I wish I was there, but I was doing a gig that no one showed up to because I'm a fucking champion. Former President Obama has endorsed the protests, of course. Former Vice President Warmonger and buggy shooter Dick Cheney has condoned the ban, as have the appropriately named Koch brothers who helped found the Uber Right Tea Party. And so it's only Trump's own people and the British government who seem to be on board with it. It seems May was informed about the ban when she met Trump, but didn't say anything until Sunday. See? She's obviously got one of those special relationships with Trump that feels really pretty great while you're there, but there's a nagging feeling in the back of your head and everyone else knows you're a fucking idiot and stops inviting you to hang out ever again and then the relationship goes wrong and you're all alone and you die alone. That's what that is. And that is only week one. Week fucking one. And I haven't even got to how Philip Seymour Hoffman's worst ever role in mega-racist Stephen Bannon is somehow sitting in on security meetings, or how Trump signed an executive order to say that for every new executive orders, two old pieces of legislation must go, which means at some point he's going to run out of orders to get rid of, and we'll have to get rid of that order that says that, and then he'll get all confused. I'm starting to think that actually we should totally let Trump come to the UK, and then just not let him leave. That's what we should do. We should trap him here, put him in a room completely surrounded by stairs like a real-life Escher painting, and ultimately save America. Now, go have a lie down. Phew. Better? Good. Now, back to Matt. And, and what are the what are the Alliance Party like? So I like that their name sounds great, obviously. Sort of going for the Alliance thing sounds like it's obviously a good thing. They want unity between all religious sides, I'm guessing, and... What what else are they going for? Um, no, the Alliance Party, um, the really uh, they are uh, middle of the road party, as in not in political spectrum, but in that they were the biggest party and still are probably the biggest party that aren't designated unionist or nationalist. Um, and I think that for like for myself when I was growing up um, in the last ten years. It was important that that's that that pulled me in a bit because I was like, oh, there is another party that they're getting a bit of headway and that they are trying to include both now. And I think they're a bit more open than no, like, they might have some uh, politicians that believe necessarily like in a united Ireland, but they might have others that sort of believe in the UK and stand part of the UK, um, but they don't say you know like. You don't have to go by the company line with the, the alliance, and that's why I like them. They're a bit more uh, leeway with that. Um, sure, that can lead. To, it's a bit hard to know what is their policies, but I think they've made a good way, a good run of you no know, showing that they're there for everybody, basically, um, and a good alternative. Um, so, like, uh, they, they came on, they really got on the scene when they sort of intervened with the whole. Uh, City Hall flag thing a few years ago, but I don't know if if you would uh if that would have made so much news over there. No, do you, I mean, do you mind giving us like a, a brief explanation of it? Would that be all right? Yeah, basically, um, what happened was Sinn Fein. Right, so there's outside the City Hall. Uh, it used to be the case that uh, Belfast City Hall, I should say. Um, I forget that people don't know maybe in Belfast. Um, but 
outside Belfast City Hall, the Union flag would have flown um, just at the front. Uh, Sinn Féin uh, put forward a proposal that it was taken down, you know, in the, the sake of, you know, we're all getting together and just have no flag out there. Either you should have no flag or two flags, you know, one like the, uh, the Irish flag and the, the Union flag. Um, Alliance actually made a, an amendment to that proposal, which was flagged on designated days, which actually follows what other councils do around the UK. Um, that was voted on past, and loyalists, the hardline loyalists and unionists, uh, kicked off. And there was several days of you no, know, a few a few riots and um, demonstrations and protests around the country that threatened the sort of. Uh, set us back a wee bit. Um, I, don't, I don't think it did in the end, but uh, a lot of the unionist side sort of hold that against Alliance because I think the miseducation or the lack of education in certain, some areas, they, they all they heard was Alliance said we should have our flag down some days. I was like, well, you, you do know they actually didn't take it away. They actually got it up some days. But, so, <laughs> but that really brought them on the on the political spectrum here for a lot of people. Obviously, they were sure. around before, but that really got them a lot in the news. You know, they actually, some of their you know, uh, constituency uh, offices got attacked and all. Um, but I think uh, it uh, endeared them to a lot of people that were looking. Uh, it didn't matter whether you're Protestant or Catholic, it endeared them to a lot of people that wanted just a, an alternative voice. Sure, sure. That is a it's a tricky situation. Surely, if you have say one flag on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and the other on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, then who gets Sunday? That's going to be. That's, <laughs> yeah. it? that sort of sums up Northern Ireland politics. It's just that you're trying to appease both sides, and then there's never a way to appease them both, you know, without someone being offended. You know, the, 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 there's a running joke in Northern Ireland where the kings are being offended. You know, so. And is it apart? You know, sort of apart from like, obviously the religious divides that, that still happen. What what are the other big issues in Northern Ireland like right now? Like, what are what's it important that that politicians address? Uh, you know, is 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 unemployment currently an, an issue in Northern Ireland like it is everywhere else? Like, what's what what um, needs to be fixed? Unemployment's not bad. Um, I don't know the exact uh, number now, but you know what's really. Um, what really is a hot potato here now and has been for a couple of years, but it's the same as in England. It's NE departments <laughs> and GP and the NHS, you know, um, basically the numbers uh, that are visiting every year are getting worse. And it seems like GP surgeries are closing and they can't fill positions in hospitals. And there's just a lot of argument that we need a lot more funding into it, but and then this the RHI thing came up and that just exploded the whole debate, especially at the timing couldn't have been it wasn't going to be good anywhere anyway, but the timing couldn't have been worse for it because it came right in December, which is coming in the winter months, which is when the ED departments were going to be at their worst, and of course they were news um, usually it's January. The new every evening starts off. Here's what's happening in our hospitals, but it was always now the second or third part, point on the news because it's the news started every night. RHI scandal. So right, 
Because, I mean, is it the, the thing that I was sort of reading was that if if at this election they, you know, the DUP and Sinn Féin can't come to an agreement, if, which I'm presuming it will end up being those two again, but then it's going to go to the, the, the British government to, will be in charge until an agreement is made. And I, I'm assuming a Conservative British government aren't going to be the best thing for Northern Ireland right now if the NHS isn't doing very well. No, definitely not. <laughs> um, no, what will happen is... Um, everyone gets elected and then the parties have to come together and uh, make something work they have to appoint first minister deputy first minister uh, junior ministers and then and then the ministers for the various departments um, if they can't agree on that we have to have another election uh, six weeks from that so it's a it's a bit of a, a bit ridiculous, um, and then after that, I don't know what happens after that. No, I, I I'm sure no one wants to think that we'd go there, um, but it certainly would maybe have to be, um, you know, par going back to London, and as you said, nobody wants that with the Tories in charge. No, no, no. I'm fairly well, fingers crossed that doesn't happen. I I was going to ask as well, like how um how did the the Brexit thing? How's that affected things in Northern Ireland? Because I know Northern Ireland voted. I think it was like fifty five percent to remain. Yeah. Um, and obviously, there's all the issues about the customs border with with Republic. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the sort of feelings about Brexit? Uh, with, um, are people worried about it? Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, as you said, no, the majority voted to remain in the EU, and it was a it was a massive shock to people. Like the day after, it's just everyone was in disbelief. No one could believe it actually happened. It was one of those things. I'm sure it was like over over with you guys probably didn't think it was actually going to happen you know it was probably as like sure i had a, a, a bit of worry and when i was talking to people the day before but if you actually asked me to call that was that no we'll stay um excuse me but no there's there's like if if i'm honest no one knows how brexit's going to work out it could end up being very good that being said i was a remainer and i still believe that it's not going to be good but my, my whole argument was, and I wrote a blog last year about this, and I ended up argue, arguing with people. They were like, you don't know how it's going to turn out? And I was like, yeah, but neither do you. You want to roll the dice on this um, when we don't need to roll the dice? What is the point in this? Um, and then there's the, obviously the points are their arguments. But no, like, like for Northern Ireland, I don't think a lot of people that did vote the, the leave didn't think about certain issues, like the hard border uh, between us and the site possibly returning which nobody wants to return the like military checkpoints and custom posts especially when you know there's going to be on near the border there's going to be families that would have to constantly every day cross that border um and then there's just like like the thing other things are like the relationship with the south and business wise um eu grants like our farming and agriculture relies heavily from eu grants um so that's something that's really is really going to hit us now we don't know how the how it's going to be made up you know like when basically we leave the eu maybe it'll be sorted it'll be fixed but i think there's a lot of uh nerves in agriculture society about that um and then other eu grants like northern ireland is a place that gets what we call peace money um because it's a the EU do that all around Europe and like the countries all their all their members where there's uh where there's there's things happening they they put in money to what is cross community projects um and we're certainly not I I would assume when 
we break from the EU, I wouldn't imagine the Tories are going to be wanting to throw us some money for cross-community projects. Um, no. no, I'm sure. Yeah. Sadly not, no. No. And then there's, like, the single market. Like, Northern Ireland's really benefited from the fact, like, as despite all the, all the wrongs of what's going on at the moment, we have come a long way in even the last 10 years, never mind the last 15, 20 years. And, uh, like, we're seeing an amount of people coming into the country that we didn't used to see, uh, like, not just different nationalities, but we're seeing people from all over the world, different races, different cultures, and it's really, in my opinion, it's really made the place better. Um, and if the single market's not there, um, we're maybe not going to get people coming to our unis, universities, and new businesses, and no, and workers. No, given to the likes of the NHS here, um, so there's, there's so much that could have could go wrong. I hope it doesn't, obviously, but uh, the fears are. Sure, sure, and it's yeah, very similar to everywhere. I think we're all quite, especially you know, the complete lack of plans about anything. Um, well, and are any of the you know, are Sinn Fein or the DUP addressing any of these concerns? Are they saying anything about Brexit at all? Um, well, obviously not recently. Uh, no one's talking about Brexit at the moment. Uh, they did back a few months ago. The, the UP were firmly in the Let's Leave camp. Um, and then the Sinn Féin were in the Remain camp. Um, so, and I think uh, when the, when we then the UK did vote to leave, it, it was obviously going to bring up the whole uh, thing with it might trigger a border poll, and that was on the, the agenda for a while in the media, because Sinn Féin were saying, you know what, we want, the majority of this country wants to stay in the EU and stay with the benefits of the EU, so I think it's time for a border poll. And I think, well, my personal opinion is, I think they'll wait for Scotland to do it first, because if Scotland fail again, and they maybe won't do it. But if Scotland do leave the UK, um, then the, the UK will be on their knees and they'll be prime picking for Republicans here who want a border poll. Sure, sure. I didn't even think of that, of course. It's a whole other issue. Um, <laughs> and so... Uh... So thank you for that. That's hugely, hugely informative. And, and hopefully, like, uh, uh, as I said, I've visited Belfast many times and, and done gigs there, but i genuinely confused by the politics. They never show it over here. Um, I sure. wondered if, sort of, obviously, there's there's your group and your Twitter and that. Is there anywhere, um, which I would highly recommend all listeners check out and, and uh, any Northern Irish listeners do join and do like. Um, what, other, what other groups would you recommend? Are there any people that you recommend uh, listeners follow on Twitter or any particular commentators they think you should, uh, you think they should look at um i'm not really sure like i was thinking about this before and i think this is part of the reason why i set up the page and the group because i felt like there's a voice that needs to be used and out there but there isn't um there is in a way uh pages that do sort of push these sort of opinions and stuff but they're satirical um they're spoof pages but like uh Lad, they're, they're, which stands for Loyalists Against Democracy, um, right? But and uh, likes of the Ulster Fry, they they they're both groups on likes of Facebook or Twitter that they do sort of cover important. It's sort of like you know like 
you get like in America with the Daily Show. It's done in a really funny way, but it's about important, serious matters. Um, so I would advise people if they don't know those to check them out if they want a, an idea of the the ridiculousness that is Northern Irish politics. Um, my like, I just what I done is I just started trying to check out other parties. As I said, there's the Alliance Party, there's the Green Party, and there's People Before Profit, and then there's Independents that are getting in, more involved every election. Um, just go and start reading about them. And then what I've tried to do recently myself, because especially with um, Brexit and and Trump, is the subject of being in your own bubble. I'd advise people just to start following and reading as much news as they can, because in this in this age, it's hard to know what is right and what's wrong. You know who's leading you on a like, and who's got special interests where. Um, so like like some on my social media, I'll try and follow publications as many, but tech on both sides you know you've got the likes of the belfast newsletter which is seen as following as mostly union or unionist um readership um and you can tell that and well people here would be able to tell that based on their stories that they promote but i started you no know, following them because i was i realized i was discounting them because of that but i shouldn't because now i'm following the irish news who would probably be more nationalist in their views so it's sure. i just advise people no, try and get out of your bubble. Even if you're not sure if you agree with everything, just try and like try and get to see it from as many viewpoints as possible before making decisions. Many thanks to Matt for chatting with me and explaining uh, very clearly the current situation in Northern Ireland. Uh, I do regularly notice the lack of information that we get in the news uh, in England about Northern Irish politics. Uh, and as Matt points out, there really are bubbles that you get trapped in. And considering it's only a very small pond away, I feel like I should really know a lot more about it. Uh, do support Matt if you can, as I think what he's aiming to do and discuss is very, very important. Uh, Progressive Politics NI are on Twitter at ProgPoliticsNI or on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Progressive Politics NI all very obvious lovely uh, mate I also suggest following uh, Ronan McSherry who is a Northern Irish satirist who's on Twitter at Ronan McSherry UH uh, as his stuff is excellent too and totally unprompted both of the last two guests uh, Matt and Michael Marshall last week have recommended reading as many views and articles as possible and I do really think that that is the key to getting through these really odd odd times of course bear in mind that my views are the best and really that's all that matters ha joke fake news Except, except not fake news, my views are really important. As I've already said on this show, uh, do let me know if there's anyone you'd like me to speak to for the podcast or a subject you'd like me to find someone to talk to about or even a subject you'd like me to interview and a person you'd like me to find a subject to talk about. No, wait, hang on, I'm not sure how those last two really work. Look, you know the drill now. It's what people use in DIY for making holes in things. Sorry, just drop me an email at partlypoliticalbroadcast at gmail.com or the Parpol Bro Twitter account or the Facebook group. Brexit fallout! Brexit fallout! Yeah, still this shit. Okay, so super quick Brexit fallout this week. Uh, The Supreme Court last week ruled that the House of Commons must authorise the triggering of Article 50 and that May just can't do it willy-nilly without warning. Yeah, there is a joke about trigger warnings in there somewhere. No, I'm not going to do it. You do it. Go on. So... There is now an Article 50 triggering bill with only 137 words and two clauses in it, so it has less content than a boring Twitter thread about something that someone heard on the bus that no one really cares about. The Commons will have five days to discuss it because, you know, hey, it's no biggie. I mean, it's not important, is it? I'm sure they'll have it all done and dusted by Wednesday, have a really long lunch on Thursday, and they'll probably leave early Friday, hit the pub. 
The two causes are for the Prime Minister to let everyone know when it's going to be triggered and that it'll have an effect despite any provisions that EU have made. So basically, the Article 50 bill simply says, hey, share it on social media when it's out there and fuck y'all, I said it, so it's happened. Or something like that. Labour have asked for seven amendments to the bill. Uh, one would be for a meaningful vote in Parliament. Uh, I guess as long as the PM looks tearful as she says it, that just might do it. Uh, the other is to guarantee the protection of workers' rights and securing full access to the single market. Then there's one about David Davis having to do bi-monthly reports, which I, I really wish they didn't put that in there because ultimately bi-monthly reports from David Davis just means we have to see more of that kind of haunted sheep talking, and which is thoroughly unenjoyable. Um, one of them is about guaranteeing the rights of EU nationals in the UK. Uh, one is about regular assessments of how it's all going to go now that we've fucked off. And one is about keeping all EU tax avoidance and evasion methods. Oh, wait, that's six, isn't it? I said there were seven. Well, th there's one more somewhere. I mean, maybe it's that Boris Johnson should only be able to travel to a European country if he's trussed up like Hannibal Lecter or something. I think that would be quite reasonable. So, look, all that is going to be discussed uh, this week. And, of course, while everyone should be focused on how little info the government have given or how they still don't seem to have any plan, Labour have stolen the spotlight once again by being more divided than a superabundant number. Mumbleboard the Wizard, a.k.a. Jeremy Corbyn, announced he would have a three-line whip so that all Labour members voted for Article 50, saying that they weren't a party for the 48% or for the 52%, but for everyone. Though by voting for Article 50, it's definitely not a party for the 48%. This whip worked more like a rolled-up towel post-gym shower than a lion tamer's whip, as it was just aggravated Labour MPs causing... As it just aggravated Labour MPs and caused frontbench resignations from Tulip Sadiq, who is an MP for predominantly Remain area and so wanted to vote with her constituency, and Shadow Secretary for State of Wales Joe Stevens, who also resigned from the front bench as her constituency of Cardiff also voted mostly to Remain. I mean, really, you sort of think that the Labour benches should just have music constantly playing and then occasionally stopping on account of how many people swap seats or just go. Clive Lewis has also expressed anger. He's the Shadow Secretary of State for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy as he too wants to vote against triggering Article 50. What is the right answer? Should they vote for it upsetting the 48% Remain voters, which include two-thirds of Labour voters, but then work hard to amend it afterwards? Or should they vote against it upsetting the 51% of the voting population and one-third of Labour voters, plus voters that they probably need for the next general election if they haven't all died by then? There is, of course, absolutely no winning, but with Corbyn apparently having plans for a populist rebrand, what he should probably do is just say that everyone in Labour loves him, even when they don't, all one million and a half of them, before handing out bright red caps to everyone that say Saga on the front. Beyond that, I'm completely out of ideas, which, to be fair, probably means I should apply to be a Labour MP myself, I guess. In other news, Nissan are looking at pulling out of Sunderland, which, to be fair, is the least a Nissan car should be able to do. I mean, how big a parking spot do they need for reversing? And while that does bode badly for Brexit and for predominantly Leave voting Sunderland as well, Danish drugs company Novo Nordisk is investing in a new science research centre in Oxford. So is Brexit forcing businesses away or is it bringing them in? No one really knows, but at least without any cars or jobs, we'll be able to have shit tons of cheap drugs to keep us happy. Woohoo! Win! What do you think should be the next Brexit move? I would absolutely love to hear your thoughts on it all as it continues forever and ever and fucking ever. Please do drop me a line. And, phew, uh, that is the end of this week's show. Um, look... 
Things are grim out there, but it is constantly heartening to see so many people rally against the bullshit. I keep seeing arseholes on social media sort of kicking off the what about are saying, why didn't you protest these awful people or these awful people before, but now you're protesting Trump and that? Well, well, firstly, some of us did. And sometimes it is hard to get people to rally behind fighting awful things unless uh, they're quite so obvious and expressed in the news and unless they know it's suddenly going to affect them. And let's be honest, if the supposed leader of the supposed free world is a total massive arsehole, then the non-free world is also going to be massively fucked. I mean, it seems as good a time as any to protest, fight and point and laugh at his tiny hands and head to any protests if you can uh, and spread as much real news as possible. And if someone online calls you a snowflake for doing all that, then please do point out that all snowflakes are individual and all fascists are the same boring, narrow-minded cunts. Thanks tons for listening. Uh, please do spread the word about this show. Review it on iTunes, which takes uh, all of two minutes. Uh, drop me a bit of change at patreon.com forward slash parpolbro if you can afford to. And please do say hello at parpolbro on Twitter, the parpolbro group on Facebook, and partlypolitalbroadcast at gmail.com. Uh, I'm going to be back next week with hopefully less swearing, uh, although no doubt, thanks to rusty shitbags, it's going to have to be a four hours long episode. This week's show was brought to you by letters which spell massive swear words and the number 45th president of Americant. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.